0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today, on A Transforming Word.
1: We don't walk away from the mirror leaving things the way we found them. We squared away. James says, Look, if you hear my word, you hear God's word, and you just go away and keep doing what you've been doing, it's like someone walking up to a natural mirror, seeing that something's not right, and they're forgetful here of the work, but not a doer. Um, but he says, But you, you look into the perfect law of liberty and you look into the word of God and you continue in it Says that person is going to be blessed in what he does. And I know that all of us want to be blessed in what we do. We want to be those that are hearing and doing the word.
0: God's word is meant to be read, remembered and meditated on. Today, Pastor Bill is going to show you the diet requirements God gave Israel in the book of Leviticus. Just like a cow eats grass and chews its cud later to break it down, and get as many nutrients out of it as possible. God's Word should be reviewed and meditated on time and time again. You're meant to chew on God's Word when you read it, revisiting old scriptures and taking time to see something new each time you come back. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Leviticus chapter 10 for today's edition of A Transforming Word.
1: Leviticus chapter 11 is essentially God put his people on a diet. And so I just would... ask you to think about that most of us here at some point have maybe put ourselves on a diet maybe maybe not um you know if you put yourself on a diet you can take yourself right off that diet soon as you see something that you want that's not on your diet but what would it be like for us if god were to put us on a diet if god were to say you cannot have that but you can have that somebody was joking earlier uh because it's sheena's birthday and they were mentioning you know lobster and shrimp that would all be off the menu uh, for these guys right here. And so God had given some dietary restrictions for them as we go through them. And I want to say this right up front. As I was going through the chapter and reading through it and looking at it, um, I realized that these things do not apply to us today. And so what I sought to do is in each thing just to draw out, there are things that we can draw out of each one, just application, things that would help us out. Um, But as we come to the end of it all, I will point out that You know, the rules for you and I are different. For the New Testament church, for the New Testament believers, um, thanks be to God, we're not under these same restrictions. But the principle in this chapter, I'm going to say it in the beginning and we'll look at it at the very end. The reason why God gave them these dietary restrictions was that it would set them apart from every nation around them. It would set them apart from everybody else. They would be the only people not eating bacon. They would be the only people not eating certain foods. It would set them apart. They would be unique. They would be different. And um, there were, as you look at it now, God was keeping them healthy. There were going to be some things that they would be spared health-wise because of the things that God pulled out of their diet. And we'll speak of those when they come up. So Leviticus chapter 11, starting at verse 1. It says, now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying to them, speak to the children of Israel saying, these are the animals which you may eat among all the animals that are on the earth. Among the animals, whatever divides the hoof, having cloven hooves and chewing the cud that you may eat. And so first off, the rule given of the things that they could eat had to be things with a divided hoof and that chewed the cud. And so First of all, that's what speak of certain animals. Some animals had cloven hooves, some animals had hooves that were not cloven, they weren't divided. Um, some animals chewed the cud, some animals ate other things. As I looked at this, uh, and this is just by the way of application, I don't wanna stretch the scripture beyond what it is, but um, as we look at it, what a divided hoof. It was separated, with would distinguish certain types of animals had it, certain didn't. and. Uh, chewing the cud. Now, that's something that is unique to certain animals, that they would chew the grass, and they would chew it up. And if I could just explain how, does everybody know how cows eat? Everybody know that process? Okay, it's actually, it's gross, but it's cool when you, by way of application. A uh, cow goes out, they graze, and they graze, and they graze, and they chew up lots and lots and lots of grass. And it goes into one chamber of the stomach. And then they digest it, and it goes in there, and then they throw it back up. And they start all over again. And they chew it some more. And they got flat teeth so they can just get all the nutrients out of it. And they swallow it again. It goes into another chamber. And they get everything out of it there. And it comes back up again. And they just chew it some more. And by the time they're done, you ain't getting nothing else out of that grass. They have gotten every single thing you could get out of that. They've got it all. Chew the cud. By way of application for you and I. Um, it is a great analogy to just meditating on the word. Um, For you guys that have been doing the scripture reading, we're almost at the end of the year. So I'm hoping that we're going, hoping that we're still in it, hoping you guys will finish strong. We got just the rest of the month of December. But when you do a reading like that, it's kind of like it's a read through. It's not real deep and meditative. You're going through, going through Old Testament, New Testament, a Psalm and a Proverb. Um, I always think it's healthy to go back to what you've been reading through. And find something for which, now I'm going to sit with this. Something that spoke to me. Something that stuck out in all that I read today. Now I'm going to go back and meditate on it. What does it mean to meditate on the word? It's not just we read it, but it's now taking it back through a process. Um, In Psalm 1, where the psalmist said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But in verse 2 it says, But he delights in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates. Day and night. That word meditates, it literally means to speak it under your breath. And so it's like I read the word and I'm thinking about it. And I'm talking about it. You know, you might be in your car and just kind of talking through the scriptures. That's what I do. I mean, I talk to myself, I talk through the Bible verses, I talk through things, and you know, you can put a Bluetooth in now, and people won't think you're crazy, they won't know what you're doing, but you just start talking it through and you're meditating on it. I'm thinking this through one more time. And how many times have you heard a scripture that you've heard before? And when you heard it another time, it was speaking to you all over again. And that's because it's a resource that's never going to be squozing out. So you can just go and sit with it and meditate on it and just spend time in God's word. Over in Joshua 1, Joshua was told that he wouldn't let the law of God depart from him, but that he would meditate in it day and night, that it'd be something he did in the morning and at night throughout the day, that that would be the thought of his mind. And so um, as they were only going to be able to eat the animals that had the divided hoof, and uh, one of the books I was reading, you know, they use that analogy of just a separated walk I like the the chewing the cud and um, that would distinguish. That would be the animals that God would say, you guys can eat those things right there. Now, verses four through eight, we get some things that were prohibited. So I'm going to read it to you. It says in verse four, nevertheless, you shall not eat among those that chew the cud or those that have cloven hooves, the camel, because it chews the cud, but it does not have the cloven hooves. It's unclean to you. The rock hyrax, because it chews the cud, but does not have cloven hooves, is unclean to you. The hair, because it chews the cud, but does not have cloven hooves, is unclean to you. And the swine, though it divides the hoof, having cloven hooves, yet does not chew the cud, it is unclean to you. Their flesh you shall not eat, and their carcass you shall not touch. They are unclean to you. So, As we look at this right here, God gives them some things and says, these you can't eat, these you can. The first one there is the camel. Uh, And looking this up, this is just a regular study done, said that I wouldn't want to eat a camel anyway. I don't know if you guys, I just, camel doesn't look like an animal that would be tasty to me. But it said in regions where people consume camel, they had a high rate of major intestinal problems. So whatever they got in camel is not good for you. God just told his people, don't eat camel, guys. That's off the menu for you guys. He took that one off. Then he gives them a few different things where he tells them, you guys, this animal you know, has a cloven hoof. It chews a cud, but it doesn't have the right footing. You know." And, and again, if we're looking at the cloven hoof as, as it distinguishes how you walk, and we're looking at chewing a cl- cud as what you take in, I just want to make a few applications there. But I do want to point this out, too, as they're forbidden to eat camel, um, you guys remember when Jesus was going off on, and he was going off on the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23, verse 24. Jesus said, you guys strain at a gnat and what? Swallow a camel. And, you know, once you, as you read that, and this kind of sounds comical, Jesus said, you guys, I mean, if someone's straining at a gnat, if a gnat is unclean, it gets into your throat. And you're straining to get it out. And he said, then you guys just swallow a camel. You know, they, you guys are ridiculous. It's what Jesus is saying to that group right there because a the camel is also unclean. And you got to strain out this little bitty thing and then consume something else that's off the menu that's huge. And there are people that are like that. There are people that they'll pick and choose where they're going to obey God. And if this area over here, they're going to be super obedient. We don't go to those. We don't do any movies like we don't do that at all. And then there'll be something over here for which uh, they live in total you know, carnality, total sin. Um, We want to be careful of that. As Jesus was getting on the Pharisees about that um, in Matthew 23. So they're not to eat the camel. Now it gives a few animals where it said that they chew the cut, but they didn't have the cloven hoof. They didn't have both things that were necessary. So um, a few things here that I want to point out. Uh, When I look at someone that, Choose the cud, but they don't have the divided hoof. This is what I thought of. Someone that's taking in the word, but they're not walking in it. Um, just by way of application. Again, these are animals that God was speaking to them then, but just in the way of application, we want to be weary of that. We want to be careful that we're not those that are taking in the word. We're sitting at church. We're reading devotions. We're reading books about the word. And we're taking it in all the time, but it's not impacting how we walk. James spoke about this in the book of James chapter one, uh, verses 22 to 25. And I want to read it to us. Um, James warns us of being those that are just hearing the word, but we're not applying it. I'll read it to you. James one. It said, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror for he observes himself goes away And immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. And is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. And there's a warning and a promise here. God says, look, don't be like the person that walks up to the mirror. Sees what a mess they are. And they walk away and forget all about it. And they're going out to the world looking a mess. Nobody here does that. If you guys walk up to your mirror, especially the ladies, and you guys see there's some, there's some imperfection. You guys gonna stay in the mirror until the imperfection is perfected. You might have to paint it, you might have to clip it, you might have to pluck it, but I've been in my car watching women driving, holding a clamp on a thing, and I'm seeing a woman plucking, and I, I don't know that men do these things, but we don't walk away from the mirror leaving things the way we found them. We square it away. James says, look, if you hear my word, you hear God's word, And you just go away and keep doing what you've been doing. It's like someone walking up to a natural mirror, seeing that something's not right. And they're forgetful here of the work, but not a doer. Um, But he says, but you, you look into the perfect law of liberty and you look into the word of God and you continue in it. He says that person is going to be blessed in what he does. And I know that all of us want to be blessed in what we do. We want to be those that are hearing and doing the word. And so that's James over in Matthew 7 at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we're encouraged in the same thing. As Jesus came to the end of his Sermon on the Mountain, all that he had spoken, all that he had shared, all that had been discussed and taught, he then gives them kind of a warning. And for us, it's a lesson. It's Matthew 7, 24 to 27. And he says this, he says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the flood came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, Jesus says, he will be likened unto a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. And the interesting thing in that little analogy Jesus gives is both people go through the same thing. One stand, one falls. And it comes back to the person that knew the word, heard it and did it. They stood in the midst of trial. They, they were able to stand through adversity. The person that had heard it but wasn't doing it. Their foundation was weak and it says they fell and was the fall. And so back to Leviticus 11. So the animals that had the cloven hoof, they chewed the cub, but they did not have the cloven hoof. And again, just by way of analogy, um, just I'm likening those to people that would be hearing the word but not doing it. Then the swine in verse seven is a little different. And verse seven, it says, and the swine, though it divides the hoof, having cloven hooves yet does not chew the cud is unclean to you. And so for them, the pig was an unclean animal, the swine, the pig, they weren't to have it. He says, yes, it had the divided hoof, but it doesn't chew the cud. It's got the right footing, got the right thing on its feet, but it doesn't take in the right things. You guys can't eat it. And um, pig would be off the menu for them. And again, just by way of application, um, there are those that do spend time there are people that we know, and I've known this in my life. There are people that walk pretty morally. They're, they're walking the right way, but it's not for God. It's not because they've received it from the Lord. They're just walking pretty moral. They're pretty moral people. And if you go witnessing, those are some of the most difficult people to reach because they feel like, I'm a good guy. I mean, I don't really do anything wrong. I'm, I'm not like people out there. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. I'm a good person. I'm walking upright. I live a pretty good life. But again, it's not born of God. It's not something that came out from the Lord. So for them here, God would say, you guys can't eat pig. Um, One of the things that would be accomplished, you guys, is God is separating them. Everybody here, I mean, I would assume, I don't know if you guys have dietary issues. Most people I know love the smell of bacon. I don't know a lot of people that don't like bacon. It might be something you have to refrain from, but most people like it. We like how it tastes. We like how it smells when it's cooking. I think that's been for every generation. Bacon has always been something yummy to smell. And I look at some of the things that we're gonna see off the menu. And if you're an Israelite, if you're one of the children of God in this era, this time, the only reason you wouldn't eat these things, it wouldn't be because it didn't look good, didn't taste good. They don't have all the background on what it'll do to your body. We know now that, you know, these are some pretty unhealthy things, some of the things that God took off the menu. Back then when they didn't have refrigeration and all the things that we have today, um, there are regions where they ate swine and they produce a lot of parasites out of the pork and um, all sorts of different things like that. I've grossed myself out today looking at, uh, on the internet, some of the different things that happen in other parts of the world, and I won't do it to you. But God, there was wisdom in what God was doing beyond. It wasn't like God was saying, I'm keeping you from something good just cause there was a reason beyond that. Yes, it would bring separation. It would identify you as my people and it would keep you guys healthy. You guys wouldn't be subject to the diseases and the parasites and the infections and the things that the other nations around you would be. They'll be overall sicker than God's people. They'll be overall unhealthier. They'll have issues that God's people won't have. And the only one that knew what he was talking about was God. As God gave out this instruction, I don't know that they had all the background that we have. They needed to hear it and obey it by faith, just like we do. There are things in God's word that I don't understand. I don't know why that's a rule. I don't know how come that's how it has to be, but that's what God said. And if God said that we trust that he knows best, we just do it, it'll be good for us to submit to his word. It's always going to be best for us to submit. And I think especially when it's submission only really happens when you don't understand or you don't agree. When you tell me to do something I wanna do, I'm not submitting, I'm doing, I'm happy that you've actually do what I wanna do. Someone in authority over you tells you, if your boss from work calls and says, hey, I want you to take the day off with pay and have a great time, you'd be like, yes, boss, <laughs> absolutely, you know, no problemo. Your boss calls and says, I want you to come in tomorrow and I want you to give me six hours off the clock, just cause. What? You feel all kind of some kind of way about that. It'd be all different, right? Submission happens when we're told to do something for which we don't really understand or we don't agree. When God tells us to do something, I don't understand that. I don't like that. I don't want to do that. But God said, do it. Now I submit to it. If they would submit, it would bring separation. Obviously, it would distinguish them from the world around them. And it would bring holiness. It would cause them to be distinct and separate unto the Lord. If they wouldn't obey, then they would suffer what everybody else around them suffered. So something that we could challenge ourselves and look at ourselves and, and just evaluate ourselves is do I obey God? Um, and not in the things that, for which I want to do, I agree, but in the areas where you've been challenged, the areas where God has spoken to you and your flesh is like, I don't like that. Um, I mean, I know people that are saved and they know the Lord and they've been walking with God and they've experienced his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, and then somebody offend them and you tell them you need to forgive and they act like, that's a new commandment. huh? like, well, they didn't apologize. That's not what the Bible says. You just got to forgive. That's what God says do. And we don't have to understand it. I don't have to understand how that, but you just forgive them. Just forgive them. Um, you know, there are things that God would give us to do. And we say, man, if I behave like that, my natural mind says they're going to take advantage of me. If I just let that go, if I just let the people going to walk all over me, that's what our natural mind thinks. And so we don't want to obey. And God would say, No, I just, I've told you how to behave. I want you to be forgiving. I want you to let it go. I want you to let me be in charge of your life. Let me be Lord. And so I challenge everybody to consider any area of the word where God speaks to you, has spoken to you, or it's just written in the Bible that your flesh is challenged by. It's hard for you. I don't understand that. I'm not sure. I don't get how come God wants that, um, that we would find ourselves submitted and obedient. Um, It will distinguish us. It will separate us as his people. And it pleases the Lord. Um, Their obedience would please the Lord and bless them. Their disobedience would not please the Lord and it would not bless them. In verse 8, their flesh you shall not eat and their carcasses you shall not touch. They are unclean to you. And if you want to circle in your Bible, shall not eat and shall not touch. And I just would point this out. If God tells you you can't eat something, would it be a good idea to walk around holding it? I'm not eating it, though. I'm not eating it, though. You know, would that be wise? That's what some people want to do with sin. Um, they want to hold it as close as they can hold it and say, "But I'm not doing it." How many of you guys have seen little kids, annoying little kids, and they'll put a finger in another kid's face as close as they can get to their face? I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. And a face the fingers is right here, but some of you guys, I know some annoying little kids that do stuff like that, but finger right in the face, but they're like, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. Just as close as they can possibly get until somebody smacks their hand out the way or whatever. There are people that that's what they do with sin. They want to get so close to it, um, right up on it. And, but I'm not doing it. I'm not crossing the line. You stay there long enough. And before you know it, you're going to be over the line. You flirt with sin long enough, you stay that close long enough, you'll eventually be right there in it. You'll just drift right on over at some point. If God says don't eat it, it'd be a really good idea not to touch it. Kind of reminds me of Genesis 3.3. If you guys remember when Satan was talking to Eve, um, we know that God had commanded that they wouldn't eat of the tree in the midst of the garden. We weren't there when she got the instruction from Adam, but Adam may have added, don't even touch it. Because when Satan came to her and said, you know, hey, did God say that you couldn't eat of all the trees of the garden? She says, well, of all the trees of the garden, we may freely eat. But, Genesis 3, 3, of the tree in the midst of the garden, God has said that we should not eat it or touch it, at least we die. Probably her husband gave her that bit of extra, you know. Don't eat it. Don't even touch it. And, again, I mean, I think that'd be a good idea, right? If I can't eat chocolate cake, do I got any business touching it? Not really. Um, there are things that God would say, I don't want you to eat it. I don't want you to touch it. So... I would look at that and i look at the life of believers and just say that I believe that we need to be as far away from that which is prohibited. Uh, We don't want to flirt with sin. We don't want to be right on the line of it. We don't want to test the limits. Um, People do this in relationships. You know, we're going out and we're not fornicating, but we're doing everything you can do. Just shy of actually fornicating. Y'all sinning. That's, it's, so much sin happens before actually sin. You're way too close. You don't belong there. If I don't supposed to be drinking, should I be at the drinking place where everybody else is drinking? Um, I mean, how many of you guys would believe me if you walked up and saw me with a joint in my hand and I said, like, Bill Clinton? I didn't smoke it, though. I just held it. Nobody would believe that, right? I don't even belong in that predicament. I don't belong there. So, lesson there, if there are things that are prohibited, things that God has called you away from, things that God has commanded you not to do, to get far away. We get far away from it. I mean, put it out of your life. Put the trappings of it. Put the paraphernalia of it. Just get rid of it altogether. It's not part of your life anymore. Don't eat it. Don't touch it. Get away from it. Moving on. Verses 9 through 12, the sea creatures. It's going to mess up some of y'all. Well, this would have messed up some of us. Some of y'all bubble gump eating, you know, crab and scrimp eating people. This would be a problem. But verses 9 through 12 said, these you may eat of all that are in the water. Whatever in the water has fins and scales, whatever in the sea or in the river that you may eat. So if it has fins and scales, and it's in the water, you can eat it. That would eliminate catfish. Um, that would eliminate sea creatures, that eliminate scrimps, that eliminate, you know, all the things, all the bottom eaters, the lobsters, all the things that you know, y'all go to red lobster licking your chop for, it all be off the menu. Um, it's gotta have scales and fins for it to be edible for you. Verse 10, but all that is in the sea or in the rivers that do not have fins or scales, all that move in the water or any living thing that is in the water, they are an abomination to you. They shall be an abomination to you. You shall not eat their flesh, but you shall regard their carcasses as an abomination. Whatever in the water does not have fins or scales, that shall be an abomination to you.
0: That's all we have time for today on The Transforming Word, but we're so glad you joined us for today's teaching on Pastor Bill. As we continue learning from the book of Leviticus together, our prayer is that you begin to understand where you come from. Knowing your roots is so important to understanding your faith in the heart of God. You may think all the rules within the Bible are outdated or just plain don't make sense, but they were there for a reason. They weren't there to punish, but rather to guide. And who doesn't need a little guidance from time to time? We hope you continue to learn more from the book of Leviticus and encourage you to read on on your own. If you're interested in hearing additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you'll find them on our website, CalvaryInglewood.org. If you live in or near the Inglewood area, we'd love to meet you and invite you to join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at CalvaryInglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person, and you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is CalvaryEnglewood.org. As we come to the end of our time with you today, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as part of our listening audience. Would you join us in praying for others who are tuning in and possibly hearing about Jesus for the first time? Please pray that their hearts will be open to the truth that changes lives. Thanks for praying and thanks for joining us on A Transforming Word.